This is the Endangered Species Podcast, the podcast by aspiring men for aspiring men from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Sean Vollendorf. We are here to help the godly man get off the endangered species list. We are so glad you're with us. I'm here with Logan Bonjean. What's up, Bonbon? What's up, uh, Bonbon? I don't, I don't <laughs> think I like that. I don't think I like that at all. You know you like it. I'm going to make it stick. Guys, make that stick out there. Shoot him a text. Hit him up on social media, the Bonbon. Hey, I just want to say, if you ever want to be friends with me, never, ever call me that. <laughs> Man, we are talking about how to get spiritually fit. I love this topic, dude, because everybody is trying to get ripped. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. I mean, every it feels like every one of my roommates, every one of my friends is... It's bulking season right now. That's what it seems like. Dude, these massive containers of whey protein everywhere in the kitchens of 20 and 30-something-year-old dudes. I feel like uh, the price of gym paraphernalia, weights, machines, etc. went through the roof during COVID. Actually, my oldest son and I, when all the gyms closed last year, you know, when, when COVID was running rampant, we ended up getting on Instagram and Facebook Marketplace and basically hunting down gyms. We ended up paying randos to work out in their houses. We ended up in guys' garages in 120 degrees. One place we worked out, dude had fire ants on the floor of his garage. <laughs> We're paying him like seven bucks a workout to stand in fire ants and do squats. It was you guys unbelievable. Are dedicated to the grind, man. <laughs> we were very committed. Uh, but I love this angle, man. We're going to talk about how to get spiritually fit. I remember years ago, it was, a, it was a January 1st, a group of friends and I, it's all dudes, were watching some bowl games, football bowl games, January 1st. And we get an email and we're all just sitting there scrolling on our phone, boring game. So several of us read the email at the same time. And it was from a buddy of ours. Uh, named Adam Lamy. Adam, shout out, Adam. Uh, Adam sends us this email that says, I'll take anybody on for best body by 365 days from today. <laughs> and he's got a picture on the email of himself, and he looks horrible. <laughs> he's out of shape. Worst I'd ever seen him. He was looking for a way to motivate himself. And 10 minutes later, it's halftime of the game. Man, we're starting to you know, write our training plans and kind of make big declarations about what we're going to do. And a year from that day, we got together in a hotel. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Several of us had been in tanning beds for six weeks. We shaved our body hair. We were all pumped up. We were, we had, you know, salted up like crazy, like bodybuilders do. And then uh, totally eliminated salt and, you know, we're dehydrated like crazy to get our skin tight on our muscles. <laughs> and we're out here posing a bunch of has-beens that never were posing in front of amateur judges. It was unbelievable, man. So who won? Who, who had the best body of that we, year? We did it several years in a row. I actually won one of those, I think. <laughs> we might have to link that picture somewhere in the in the description. It was all about who we let in, man. It was all about who you know, making sure you don't let any actual strong guys. <laughs> Just a bunch of average Joes. It was the ultimate average Joe contest. But man, it's amazing the motivation that some guys have and that and that we had in that in that best body contest for getting shredded, for getting jacked, for getting your body in shape. And man, it's a challenge to me because I think about over the years, my own spiritual drive, my own fitness. Sometimes I've wondered, man, 
Dude, if I actually gained a little bit of muscle for every 30 minutes that I prayed, mm. would I pray more? Reality is I probably would. Yeah. Would I get a little more physical muscle if I spent more time in the scripture? If that happened, would I, would I do it more? The reality, the sad reality is I probably would. Yeah, it's revealing. It, it is. It's revealing of what we actually value. But but so many guys are out there wanting to get to get Jack. Big pecs, strong arms, bulging shoulders, cut abs, what, whatever you want to say. Um, and the thing is, I'm a huge fan of lifting. I lift myself. I'm I'm a very like I'm a dad lifter. That makes one of us. <laughs> you don't lift at all. Not not a huge not a huge lifter. Man, I know you. Try I'm to going stay with the I'm going with the old school Herschel Walker body weight exercises mentality. Dude, you cannot claim that you're going with the Herschel Walker. And yeah, I just same. compared myself to legendary running. <laughs> the guy is an absolute Adonis at like 56 or something still. Yeah. Just go look up Herschel Walker and that's pretty much what I'm rocking with right now. So <laughs> his Instagram is unreal. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of lifting though. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of resistance I think that uh, obviously lifting strengthens our muscles, but not just our muscles. It strengthens our bone. It strengthens our immune system. Um, what frustrates me about it is how it literally takes a month or two and it all goes away. Like you quit and it's gone for me in like a couple months. My my chest is the first thing to go. Is it like if I if I miss two weeks of chest, I'm I'm down like thirty pounds and how much I can push up. It's crazy, and then I basically have to start over. I don't think, in all honesty, getting jacked or getting spiritually fit, I don't think, in all honesty, that getting spiritually fit is that different. It takes time and discipline and energy to get spiritually fit. And then, honestly, if I stop making effort, my soul fitness atrophies because I'm not doing the things I used to do. Hmm. I think about in Revelation where... Uh, John, Jesus through John, as he's riding into these different churches, to one of the churches, he says, you've forsaken your first love. I think it was Ephesus. And then he says, here's the solution. Here's your remedy. Repent and do the things you did at first. Hmm. I Like when guys come to me and they're like, my marriage is, is struggling. We're not in l- as much love as we were when we first got married. I always tell them the same exact thing. I listened for a long time. <laughs> And then I say, dude, this is actually very simple to fix. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do the things you did when you were dating. Do the things you did when you were engaged. Do the things you did that made her heart come alive. Show her preference. Show her kindness. Be cordial. Open the door for her. Write her a note. I better stop talking because I'm going to start getting into hypocrite land. man. (laughs) Setting a high bar there. Hopefully my wife's not listening (laughs) out there. But you repent and do the things you did at first. Yeah, get back to the basics. You build the relationship back. Hmm. I think physical fitness is like that. I think spiritual fitness is like that. If I'm incredibly diligent about my physical disciplines and I'm hit and miss or downright lazy in my spiritual disciplines, in my spiritual fitness has gone to crap, that's not going to get it. Some disoriented priorities. A hundred percent. I ask the young guys that I mentor all the time, what are you? And they look at me like, what are you talking about? My follow-up question is, are you a body with a soul 
or are you a soul with a body? Like if you are, are you a body with a soul? In other words, it, when, when I talk about you, am I talking about your body? Like if you lose an arm in an accident, are you any less you? The answer is no, you're still you, right? Why is that? It's because you're not a body with a soul. You are a soul that happens to have a body. And I, I know even you and I were talking earlier this week about how cool it is that we carry our bodies with us into the afterlife. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think one of the reasons I don't love looking at that question that way is because I think oftentimes viewing it through the lens of I'm just a soul with kind of a, a meat case outside of it, which that's not what you're saying. But I think some people insinuate that when they ask this question this way. And I think the problem with that is that, like you said, we're, we're going to have our bodies in heaven. Like we are going to have our restored bodies in a new heaven and new earth. That's the vision that the Bible paints for us. When you think your soul is all you take with you after this life, you're actually more of a student of Plato than you are of Jesus. And so our bodies matter. Our bodies are also right now temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus took on a body and he's in his resurrected body right now. And so God totally cares about our bodies. I think that that's a false theology that unfortunately a lot of people have is that our bodies don't matter. They do. They matter to God. But I think there's a big difference between stewarding the body that God has given us versus worshiping the body that God has given us, worshiping the created thing over the creator, which un unfortunately I think is what you can see happen when someone becomes obsessed with their body. And so I, I, I really believe we need to take care of the body that God has given us. But we also need to recognize that soul building, like you mentioned, has eternal value for all things. I think of First Timothy 4.8 just says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So the way to godliness, Sean, is what you and I are calling spiritual fitness in this episode. Man, I absolutely love that. So let, let's talk about that, man. Let's talk about um, what it takes to get spiritually fit because you know me, I, I'm crazy in love with the idea of training. I totally believe in training. I love to contrast it with trying. There's training and there's trying and trying doesn't get it done. A trying plan is not a plan. If someone's training, they're doing the same thing at the same time in the same place with the same people consistently. Yeah. And I think consistency is one of the keys to being a spiritually fit person. So what I want to talk about today is how to get spiritually fit. But just to set the table, Logan, what are we even talking about when we're talking about spiritual fitness? I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what physical fitness is. And people have different goals, like there's bulking season, there's shredding season, there's getting aerobically fit, right? There are all these different physical fitness goals. And so for one person, physically fit might mean something that it means to somebody else. But when it comes to spiritual fitness, I feel like there are fewer definitions. What do you think? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways we can equate spiritual fitness with with what has historically been called spirit, spiritual maturity. And, and I really believe that in very simple terms, that's achieved through becoming more and more like Jesus. So I actually think some really good indicators of whether or not we're experiencing spiritual fitness can be found in the fruits of the spirit that we see in Galatians 5.22. We can ask ourselves questions like, am, am I displaying the love of Christ in my life? Am I filled with joy no matter my circumstance? Am I a peaceful presence in a super anxious world? Am I patient with other people, even the people that I really don't like? Am I pouring out kindness and goodness in the world around me? Am I a faithful person? I think these are awesome diagnostic questions to reveal whether or not I'm actually experiencing spiritual fitness or maturity. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I ask myself those questions, they're actually really convicting and, and motivating and they push me to want to 
grow in my spiritual fitness. So man, would you even say that over the ages, you know, that the last few thousand years that you could sort of sweep up spiritually fit Christians into some descriptors or categories that are common to all? Yeah, I think looking at church history, I mean, there are really smart theologians that have identified really three main areas that kind of embody a spiritually rich person, a spiritually fit life. And it's orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy. And those are kind of big words, but really orthodoxy, which is the one we probably hear the most, is just right believing. It's it's having a right belief about God um, and about the world around us. Orthopraxy being right living, or right practice, right action, uh, actually living out my orthodoxy. And then orthopathy, which I think is probably the one that gets talked about least, is just right feeling. We're emotional beings created by an emotional God. And so we, we're created with brains, bodies, and emotions. And I, I really believe the spiritually fit people have all three of these areas aligned with the spirit of God. Man, I love that. I, I see the heart, the head, and the hands in a sense in those. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about getting spiritually fit, man. We got a lot of young guys who are always asking us like, dude, give me some things to do so that I can grow spiritually and stay spiritually fit. So we want to give you three ingredients today that, man, if you incorporate these into your life, I totally believe that you're going to get spiritually fit. Logan, what's the first one? Yeah, the first one that we identified is just having a training plan. And so, Sean, you've talked a little bit about having a a training plan for your physical fitness, which honestly is necessary. Uh, Again, like you said, a, a training plan is different than a trying plan. So we, we kind of have an idea of what a training plan looks like for physical fitness. Sean, what, what does a training plan look like for a spiritually fit life? Yeah, great question. You know, the first thing I want to explain is sort of why you would even have a plan at all. Like when it comes to spiritual life, some people feel like, oh man, the more I plan for my spiritual growth, the more I'm planning God out. I just want to be spirit-led, Right. And there is definitely a time to be spirit led, but I look at it like a game plan, man. I practice, I look at the film of the defense, I get into the game and then, yeah, I am going to have to make some intuitive on the spot, real time decisions during the game, because once you get on the battlefield, things change, right? Nothing goes exactly to plan. Okay. And, and for the Christian, that means I'm going to need to trust the Holy spirit as we go, but to not prepare and to not build myself up spiritually ahead of time and to call that being spirit led to me is making an excuse. It's being lazy and, and stamp it, putting a stamp on it of the Holy Spirit's approval. I don't, I don't respect that. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. And, and like you just mentioned, I don't think that being a spirit led person, living a spirit led life, spirit filled life is mutually exclusive with training for godliness. I don't see those things being mutually exclusive. Yeah. Again, it's a both. And I think of Proverbs 21, five, it says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty, haste, quick decision-making, um, being thoughtless, not being thoughtful in your plans and in your decision-making. Uh, the Bible repeatedly describes the wise man as one who considers possible outcomes and chooses the best path forward. When I think about a path forward toward spiritual fitness, the first ingredient I think about is actually having a training plan. That's how you can be one of these diligent ones that Proverbs 21, five 
describes. One of the things I love about the guys who mentored me early on in my Christian walk was that they taught me the old navigator wheel. I love the navigator wheel. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if everybody that's listening will. So will you break down the old navigator wheel for us? Yeah. I What I love about the navigator wheel is it's got two vertical spokes and two horizontal spokes. Uh, and so the vertical ones are the word and prayer. In, in other words, how do you hear from God vertically? You hear from God through scripture. And so in order to have a training plan to get spiritually fit, I'm going to have to have a plan for scripture meditation. I'm going to have to have a Bible reading plan. I'm going to need to have a scripture memory plan. I'm going to need to think about how am I going to study the Bible consistently? How am I going to hear the Bible consistently? One of the things I do is listen to the Bible when I'm driving in the car. Uh, one of my mentors now, a guy in his 70s uh, here in, in Arizona, um, doesn't listen to very much music in his car, doesn't make many phone calls on his car. He just has the Bible playing 24 seven whenever he's driving. It's on default, man. And he's just hearing the word of God. He has a plan to get spiritually fit by getting the word into his life. So that's that first vertical spoke is the word. The second one is prayer. Yes, we all know this. We're supposed to pray as Christians, but do you have a prayer plan? Hmm. Do you have a plan to pray regularly with other believers? Do you have a prayer list? I know someone's somewhat serious about their prayer life if they actually have a list that they're praying through. And, you know, again, it can become rote. It can become dry. It can become academic. That's the pushback I hear to the prayer list. And I get that. I'm sort of a free spirit myself. I, I feel constrained um, by written plans sometimes. But I've realized over, over the years that routine leads to freedom, that the more I can plan my prayer and, and plan my time in the word, then I can have a chance to exercise more creativity in my relationship with God because I'm getting that steady diet. What bodybuilder is going to go into the gym without a written plan? I'm just a free spirit bodybuilder. I'm just a free spirit bodybuilder. I, I just go in and I, I let the spirit lead me to the next apparatus. And the spirit has led me to a massive upper body and some chicken legs, <laughs> interestingly enough. The guy's gonna do what he's strong in. He's gonna neglect what he's weak in. He's gonna do what he likes. He's gonna neglect what he doesn't like, right? Clearly, that's part of the reason for a written plan, by the way, a training plan, is because it makes me work on my weaknesses. So those are the vertical spokes. The horizontal spokes, one of those is fellowship. Just time with other believers, growing spiritually, sharpening each other, accountability. We always think of the old famous Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together hmm. as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. This is all about spending time with believers. You can't practice the one another's of the New Testament without being with others. And there are a lot of one another. There's so the many Testament. one another's, you know, love one another, uh, carry each other's birds. There, there, there are dozens and dozens of those. And you can't live out a single one of the one another's solo. Yeah. Which that's offensive to our individualistic culture that says that I can, I can accomplish everything I need to accomplish on my own. I don't actually need anybody else. We probably spend way too much time alone as believers, most believers. Now, some people can't handle time alone. I get that. They need to get over that and spend more uh, time uh, with the Lord, just them and the Lord. But I think 
most people are the on the other in the other ditch what you're saying more individualistic the final spoke horizontal spoke is witnessing it's yeah so what do you mean by witnessing because I feel like that could be a, a bible word that people are like, yeah, but like, what, how does that actually practically look? Yeah, the word I actually usually use is outreach. Hmm. Um, in other words, having relationships with people who, are not, who aren't following Christ yet. Um, spending time in activities with people who don't know the Lord. Inviting people who don't know Christ yet into your group of Christian friends. Doing what you do, because your chance for influence is huge when you are the majority and bringing them in and just having your fun, having your uh, Christian lifestyle on display, hence the word witness, in front of them. Uh, you know, I love Acts 1.8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All, all these places that the new, the very new believers, the first believers, were going to be witnesses when the Holy Spirit came into their lives. Their lives and their words were going to testify to the gospel. I love even viewing a witness as kind of like a, the idea of a courtroom witness. Is A courtroom wit witness is testifying to what they've seen. And for us as witnesses of Jesus, we're testifying to the ways that we've seen Jesus change our lives and transform our lives. We're testifying to the truth about him, to the good news about him. We're witnessing to it. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, for me, we're talking about a training plan. If I don't plan in time with people who don't know the Lord, it's easy for me to go weeks and weeks and realize, man, I've just kind of spent time with my Christian friends and everybody that I kind of enjoy. And we can study the scripture and we can talk about the Bible and we can go play golf or whatever. And it's like, man, I is kind of like that, that, uh, bodybuilder being spirit led to the, the, yeah, I the think, racks that he, that he likes. Yeah. I think when believers hit cruise control in this area, like you said, you end up spending all of, you wake up one day and you're like, oh wow, I haven't even like interacted with a non-believer in weeks. Right. But again, the point is have a training plan and these are the main core, the basic food groups, if you will, these are the core areas. You can't just do the one, the two that you like. You, you can't neglect one or two of the areas. I remember when I was in college, I went away for the summer. And when I came back, I saw a couple of my buddies. Uh, they were twins. Their names were Lincoln and Jefferson. True story. Is this real? <laughs> real guys. Wow. Uh, super guys, man. Incredible guys uh, out of Kansas City. I think they're soccer coaches now. Shout out Lincoln and Jefferson. But they decided, and I hope get, I get this story right, man, but they decided they were basically going to lay around their apartment all summer and do push-ups and watch every version of Sports Center that came out every day, which at that time was basically four. And it was like the same thing. It wasn't like today where you get new news all the time. It was like the same recorded thing the next three times. Oh, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. Just on repeat. So I remember seeing those guys after a summer, and it just struck me. It was hilarious because Lincoln and Jefferson did nothing but push-ups and watch Sports Center, and they had massive chests. They had unbelievable chests. And then I looked down. And each one of them had contracted that summer CLS. What is CLS? Chicken leg syndrome. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's a sad disease that strikes so guys sad, that, that don't do squats, man. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> you got to do them all. And, and the likelihood that I'm going to do them all, if I don't have a training plan, it's just not going to happen. The key to spiritual maturity is consistency. Spiritual atrophy happens otherwise, right? 
makes me think of second peter 1 verses 5 through 8 it just says for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love and that kind of encompasses a lot of those things He, he finishes it off by just saying if you possess these qualities in increasing measure They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. It kind of encompasses a lot of the navigator's wheel. And I will say my favorite part of that wheel, uh, that illustration, is Jesus being at the center of all of it. I forgot Jesus in the center of the wheel, dude. (laughs) I want to circle back to what you said about 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, because it says, make every effort to add to your faith these different qualities. It says, add add these qualities to your life in increasing measure so that you don't become ineffective and unproductive. The word that comes to my mind when I hear ineffective and unproductive, atrophy. Yeah. Think about your muscles when they don't get used. Your spiritual muscles, when they don't get used, they atrophy. So the first ingredient to getting spiritually fit is having a training plan. And as one of my mentors always said, if it ain't written down, it ain't a plan. If it's just in your head, it ain't a plan. It's just a trying plan, not a training plan. Let me give the second ingredient to getting spiritually fit and it's training partners. You need a training plan, but you got to have training partners. Proverbs 13, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. You got to do this not alone, And you got to do it with not just guys, but the right guys. David had his mighty men, and that made David mightier. Jesus built a team of men around him. Why didn't he just uh, disciple one guy? Why didn't he come down and just kind of pick one guy, and that guy was going to be the guy, you know? Honestly, kind of like we do in American Christianity, where we pick the CEO pastor, and he's kind of the everything guy. You know, a lot of churches do that. Yeah. Seems like a weak model. I, I love the churches that doesn't have, seem like a Jesus model. Doesn't yeah. seem like a Jesus model. Uh, it's kind of creates a personality driven atmosphere. I, I love these churches that kind of do team teaching and team leading and all that kind of stuff. Jesus built a team of men so that they could practice the one another's, so that they could rub off on one another, so that they could do the Proverbs twenty seven: Iron sharpens iron, and men sharpen men. That's how it works. You got to have. A team. Again, it reminds me of what you've talked about with working out. It it's not optional to have training partners. Like it's not even an option. It's necessary. I mean, I think of the way that our culture has shaped us in a lot of ways to have an instant gratification mindset. Being physically fit and even more so being spiritually fit takes dedication and intentionality and time. And it's like we've talked about before, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And the reality is I know myself. There's no way I'm actually going to be able to accomplish that on my own without accountability. When guys ask me, how can I pray more? I give them the same answer as if they were to ask me, how can I get in the scripture more? Or how can I share my faith more? Or how can I uh, walk in the power of the spirit more? I say the exact same thing every time, training partners. Because for me, when I want to pray more, all I need to do is find people who pray and pray with them more. When I, if I want to share my faith more, I try to get around guys who love to share with others about Jesus and I spend time with them. And here's what happens. I start sharing more about Jesus with people who don't know him yet. I love having training partners. I think they're critical. I think when you think about those four spokes of the wheel, man, back in my college days, when I was young, I would have said the most important one was that outreach. 
that, that if, if you're out there sharing your faith, that's going to drive, uh, growth in prayer and in, in the scripture and in fellowship. Now I would say the most important of those four for me is fellowship having the right believers in my life, not, not spending time with believers, you know, uh, 24 seven, but having the right training partners in my life, godly people who push me to do better, to be better. Let's get to our third ingredient. The third ingredient to getting spiritually fit is getting a personal trainer. We said that you're going to need a training plan. You're going to need training partners. And finally, I think everybody needs a personal trainer. You know, in, in Christianity, we call this a mentor or more specifically, a, a little more religious word, a discipler, maybe someone who, uh, you know, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So, well, I, if I'm going to make disciples, I'm going to need to be a disciple. And if I'm going to be a disciple, somebody's going to have to make a disciple out of me. Yeah. In other language, a disciple really means student. So it's almost like a student teacher relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are a sort of a Christ pupil. Yeah. So an, to speak. an apprentice to use some Dallas Willard language. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're a Christ following apprentice and what good is an apprentice without the trainer, without the mentor, right? I would make the case that for the rest of my life, I think I need to have someone pouring into my life. I would make the case that no matter how old I get, no matter how much life I've experienced, no matter how much Bible I meditate on, I never want to be the wisest person in my life. I always want to have someone older, wiser, more spiritually fit, pouring their life into me. You wouldn't have to make the case with me because you, you already did it just now. I totally believe in that. One of the things that Kim and I prayed for when we moved to Phoenix two years ago was guides, guides in all areas. But in particular, we wanted spiritual guides, people who are ahead of us. And one of the guys who's been a guide for me is a guy named Lewis Greer. He's in his seventies. We play a lot of golf together. He's a wise man. He's extremely tempered with his words. I'm just attracted to his life, how he talks about his wife, the de kinds of decisions he makes, the kind of fire he has for the Lord still in his 70s. You get the feeling he's going to live well past 100 and just keep following Christ and mentoring guys. And I need that as well. So I love that. Timothy had Paul. The disciples had Jesus. Elisha had Elijah. Uh, Joshua had Moses. And, and great men today are built by greater men. Yeah, I think of countless experiences in my life walking with Jesus where older, wiser, more spiritually fit men have taken the dedication and the time to pour their lives into mine to train me spiritually. I think of my man Warren right now, uh, who's pouring a ton of his life into me, who's mentoring me through my local church, who has been walking with Jesus for longer, who has experienced all kinds of life that I haven't experienced, who just has a unique outlook on life and more than anything a guy who is incredibly spiritually fit who is molded and shaped by the word who spends so much of his time in prayer conversing with god who is surrounded by incredibly healthy fellowship who's bold in sharing his faith a guy that i want to become like i think of what paul says in hey imitate me as i imitate christ warren for me is a guy who is imitating christ and who is also worth imitating and so that, that's that personal trainer aspect of, hey, a guy who is leaps and bounds ahead of you spiritually that can call you up to a higher level. 
Man, that's fantastic. And this is the challenge I would put on our American listeners. You got to be the one to go find that man. Okay. Cause I, I hear from guys a lot like, well, no one's really taken any initiative with me and you know, which is classic. That's, that's a classic outcome for American based education in America. Our education is the teacher needs to take all the initiative to cram the knowledge into the kid's head. That's not how it works. For example, in martial arts in Asia, in martial arts in Asia, the pupil seeks out the teacher and the teacher plays hard to get. The pupil says, Hey, can I move in with you? Can I, can I sweep your back stoop? Can I clean your dishes? Can, can I just sleep on your floor? Can I just be around you? This is literally how you get one of these amazing karate mentors or whatever, you know, choose, choose your martial art. It's the exact opposite of here. And what happens by the time a kid is seven or eight, in most cases uh, for boys, especially their hunger to learn is gone. Kids are driven to learn from age one to six, but then they get in the school where now it's teacher driven and it's not student driven. It's not hunger driven. It's curriculum driven. Now you have uh, a pupil who's no longer hungry anymore. So all of that rant to say this, it is on the mentee. It is on you to go and find somebody you admire, somebody who's spiritually mature to pray for that, uh, to, to ask, to beg God, God, show me this person. Get, give me a man, give me some men that I can emulate and that will disciple me. You got to find somebody who's spiritually fit to, to be your personal trainer. Yeah, I love that. And I actually just learned this recently, but apparently in counseling and in therapy, it's it's good practice for counselors to never be the ones to call and try and nail down appointments with their clients. Because the only way to really actually have a full and healthy and restorative experience in a counseling setting is for the patient to seek that out, is for the patient, like you said, to desire and seek healing and restoration. And in a lot of ways, I think it's the same in discipleship and especially in our culture, like you're saying, the only way to actually experience a full and holistic and whole discipleship in your life is to, as the apprentice, actually seek that out. And so I think that's really good. Man, Sean, so we've covered having a training plan, having training partners and having a personal trainer being vital ingredients to living a life of spiritual fitness. We did, man. And I'm telling you guys, if you will implement these three ingredients into your life, you are going over time to get spiritually fit. I don't know your spiritual fitness right now. If, you, if you're spiritually flabby, look, it's going to take you longer. Some, some of you guys might be spiritually obese. You know, you, you need to, they need to make a show about you. I don't know, man. Like, dude, if, if that's you, it's going to take you longer to get back to spiritual fitness. This isn't like dabbling this for three days. And then you're like, dude, what's up? I'm not spiritually fit. Like this is going to be a battle, man. This is going to be a marathon. This is, you're going to hit the wall at some point and you're going to want to quit. So let me just challenge you, man, have a long-term mentality about this. You're not going to want to miss our discussion next week. We're going to talk here on the pod, not about how to get spiritually fit, how to get spiritually jacked. Once you get fit, how do you get spiritually jacked? Because there are some nuclear bombs we're going to tell you about that can take your spiritual life from a plateau to the peak. Logan? I think the last thing I want to leave off on, hey, we are saved by grace through faith, not by our good works, not by anything that we've done, but 
we see in scripture at the same time that our, our true real saving faith will lead to a life that is changed and transformed. And so if we want to actually experience the abundant life that Jesus is talking about, the abundance of actually knowing God and living out of that, then we have to train. We have to walk alongside training partners and we have to have personal trainers in our life to actually experience that abundance. And I would agree with you. It's all done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're saved by faith and we also walk by faith as well. All right, as always, expansive thanks to our legendary producer, Logan Bonjean. Gentlemen, becoming and staying a godly man is a matter of choice, not chance. Go out today and make the choices we talked about to get spiritually fit. Let's get the godly man off the endangered species list. See you next Friday.